The OCD and Anxiety Podcast by Robert James Coaching. Hello and welcome to the OCD and Anxiety Podcast, where we explore how to have a more positive relationship with anxiety disorders, taking back control so that you can start living the life you choose and not the one chosen by your fears. Hello and welcome to episode 301. I hope that you guys are doing fantastically well today. Uh, If you are though struggling with OCD uh, or anxiety, then as you may know, you can get a free session with me to get that. All you need to do is head over to my website, robertjamescoaching.com. There you can uh, book that free session directly or if you prefer, you can uh, send me a message and let me know uh, about what you're struggling with. Now, in today's podcast, um, it's a really good one uh, because I'm speaking uh, with somebody who's been on the podcast a couple of times already, and that is uh, Paul uh, McCarroll, who is uh, an obsessive compulsive disorder and anxiety specialist, therapist, and mental health trainer from Belfast Island. Um, As someone who once struggled greatly with OCD, Paul's story is unique. He now works as a mental health trainer in the hospital uh, in which he was once a patient. He, he uses his story to inspire hope, reaffirm that recovery is possible and help clients to stop struggling and start living. Finally, Paul is also active on Instagram and more recently YouTube where he talks about ways we can keep ourselves well. Um, in today's podcast, we, uh, we discuss uh, Pure O. Now, pure O is something uh, that's a bit misleading. Um, It's this idea of uh, a a kind of type of OCD where the obsessions are uh, in, in, sorry, the compulsions are invisible. Um, You know, that's why we call it pure O, purely obsessional, because we don't really see when somebody's performing um, their, their compulsions in this type of OCD, because those compulsions tend to be all in the head. Um, it can be very difficult, very confusing for the person uh, struggling with it, uh, particularly when they don't even recognize what their compulsions are. So in today's podcast, we're going to be talking about that. Paul is uh, incredibly knowledgeable. He has uh, you know, a lot of information to share. He's been there himself with OCD, so you know he understands it very intuitively. And uh, I think you'll find it's going to be a really good episode. So I really do hope that you find that helpful. As always, if you have any questions, do please let me know. And if you'd like to know more about Paul, you can find him um, at www.befreefromocd.com. You can also find him uh, on Instagram under the same name. So many thanks, guys, and off we go. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Rob. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been quite a, a gap since you've been on, but it's fantastic to have you back. And, um, you know, some of your podcasts have been very popular in the past. So, yeah, really wanted to, to get you back on. And um, so, yeah, it's great to, to, to have you back. Um, 
maybe uh, I think we 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 decided to talk a little bit today about pure O OCD to kind of uncover a little bit more about pure O. So maybe you could, uh, if you don't mind, just kind of give us a bit of uh, background about what uh, pure O actually is. Absolutely, Rob. Um, and I think, yeah, there's more and more um, the clients I see and also just in general discussion around OCD, this topic of pure O is becoming more and more prominent and there's still a lack of understanding around it. And generally when people think of pure O, they sort of sometimes think that it doesn't come under the umbrella of OCD, but it actually does because really what pure O is, it's almost, it's you have this obsessive thought, you have this sort of, you know, intrusion which enters your your awareness and you sort of will end up doing some sort of mental ritual to try and neutralize it try and get rid of it trying to help you to I suppose make you feel more at ease there's maybe no outward compulsions you're doing so I would often say like if I had a camcorder or if I was a fly on the wall I probably wouldn't see you doing anything with your actual hands or your feet but I could nearly guarantee you you're doing things in your mind mm. you're doing to try and I suppose alleviate the discomfort and um, so I know that's probably what we're going to delve into a little bit obviously in this sort of shorter podcast today Rob but I suppose in in a nutshell it's really that we get stuck in thinking and we get stuck on this sort of intrusive nature of the thought and then we try and do something internally to try and get rid of it try and neutralize it mm, yeah yeah I think it it you know, it tends to be because often we just say, well, th this is pure O and this is another type of OCD, but often they, they actually just cross over, no? Absolutely. And I think there is that sort of real distinction, you know, that that some people have that, you know, many, many people who come to me and they say, say, you know, what, I don't think I struggle with OCD. I don't think I have a problem. I just had a problem with my thinking. But then when we delve into it, where the problem, I, there, there's a saying which is which is I like, um, the the problem isn't the problem, the solution is the problem. The problem isn't the problem, the solution is the problem. And what I mean by that is that you know when we have a difficult thought, image, urge, we we sort of see it as something that we need to get rid of. But unfortunately, trying to get rid of it makes it more central in our attention as you know yourself, Rob, and that seems to be the dynamic of Puro is that people get stuck in this cycle of have a difficult thought, image, urge, do the thing to try and get rid of it, generally some sort of mental ritual, but it's generally seems to just compound it, seems to make it more central, more dominant. So it's mm. able to see that and then navigate a way out of that. Yeah, I really like that. It, it unfortunately that is there is a lot of truth to what you're just saying there. No, it's so often the case that the problem is is the thing that you're doing to try to resolve the anxiety or the other discomfort that you're experiencing. Um, yeah, okay, fantastic way of describing it. Um, so with Pure O, um, I think sometimes people get confused about exactly what what we mean by that. Uh, because obviously in OCD, there's always a uh, compulsive element to it. Otherwise, you don't have OCD, you just have obsessions. Um, you know, so it's it's never actually pure O. Um, you know, it's just a, a helpful way to describe it as the way you said it. It doesn't appear like there are any compulsions like there are with hand washing OCD, for example. 
Um, but they're definitely 100% there. They're just in the mind. And, and Rob, you couldn't have said it any better. And I think your your listeners who sort of struggle with Puro, I think will, will really resonate with, with your description. And I think in terms of what people actually do then, you know, I mean, if someone maybe comes to me and they're struggling with the thought of, you know, potentially, you know, that maybe they could be a really, really loving parent or they could be a really, really sort of loving partner, but they may have a thought that they could potentially harm that individual. Yeah. Um, almost that sort of harm sort of variant of, of sort of the obsession and I suppose it's important to remember that you know these thoughts are always incongruent of your actual nature you know these people I deal with they're the most loving parents they're the most loving partners it's the, the thought is the complete opposite of who they are but when they are in the heat of that thought when they're in the heat of the moment it feels like it's 100% truth. It feels like it's 100% accurate. So what people, in terms of the pure variety, what they will try and do is they'll maybe try and replace that thought with a more positive one, a less anxiety-provoking thought. So instead of, you know, when they're maybe in the kitchen and they're chopping off the vegetables for the evening meal and they're having that thought that they could potentially harm their loved one, they may try and conjure up some sort of thought of actually a nice time with their loved one, maybe at the beach or doing something nice. And sometimes they can magically get that positive thought, but other times they can't because your brain is very unruly and it does what it does. But that's where the trap happens because people then get caught in this trying to change the thought mm. to avoid it in the first place. So maybe they'll go away from, I suppose that's the one behavioral thing you do see people do, Rob, and it's probably avoidance in terms of this sort of difficult thought. So if they have a thought that, oh, if I go near that cutlery cupboard, I'm going to get a thought that I could potentially harm someone. They'll maybe avoid the cutlery or they'll maybe avoid having sharp objects around. So mm. there can be the odd um, behavioral sort of component, but generally it's what things people do in their mind. Yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah, so so people might actually physically avoid going near something. Uh, or near a potential uh, a group of people or near be because because of something some thought that they've had an intrusive thought or urge or image as you were putting it earlier yeah okay um now when it comes to to rumination because obviously rumination is a really important part of uh puro um you know as, as you've said you know, sometimes there might be some avoidance there, but actually the main compulsion in Puro is is the rumination, is simply to to do that unhelpful thing that you think is going to solve the problem, but in fact is is actually just making it worse. So what can what can people do um to to manage their ruminations more? Because it's a it's a very tricky thing. I, I know from personal experience. I know from working with my clients that, you know, it is in theory, there's there's tools and techniques for acceptance commitment therapy, for example, that do help. But in your experience, what's what's kind of the best way to to learn to manage ruminations better? Rob, great question. I think people who will be tuning into your podcast, why they will love the education around the subject, generally people I find they want to know what they can actually do about it. So generally, when I begin working with a client, I always like to share an example. Um, so if, if you and a friend, Rob, or say myself and a friend, or even one of your listeners 
um, if, they, if they were to actually go to say their their nearest mountain peak, like for me, my nearest mountain peak is a place called Cave Hill Mountain, very popular mountain that people like to sort of go to the top of. Mm. Believe it or not, there's a lot of research around intrusive thoughts that people even who don't have a diagnosis of OCD can experience these unwanted thoughts which seem to pop up in these strange places and situations. So if me and a friend were to go up um, to the top of Cave Hill Mountain, I can nearly guarantee you we will have the same type of thought. And it's usually around of if you look over, you may have this thought of what, what it would be like to jump. Okay. Mm. So the friend who maybe doesn't have the diagnosis will have that thought, will acknowledge it's a bit strange, but they'll also recognize that it's starting to get dark and I need to get down this mountain. So they've acknowledged the thought, they've acknowledged it's a bit strange, but they've also decided to do something else with their attention, to put it on to the next behavior, to what's important next. Maybe someone like you or I, Rob, or, or even the listeners, those of us who have had a history of struggling with our thinking, we can have that exact same thought. What would it be like to jump? But it's almost like a consolation of other thoughts then show up of like, what does that say about me? Who in the right mind would have this thought? Am I, am I normal? What's wrong with me? So again, if I had a camcorder and I watched you and your friend or me and my friend, physically we're not doing anything, anything differently, but internally we are. And I will still get down the mountain with my friend, but the difference is it's been an exhausting um mm. Scourge yeah. and not just physically but mentally so i suppose the reason i share that example is that that is my hope that over time that all of us clients people who listen to the podcast people who just struggle with this condition can get to and the reason why i love that example is because the intrusive thought didn't go away and in my opinion what recovery is about rob is recognizing that sometimes these thoughts will show up and they will show up probably at times we don't really want them to against our will but we can choose what we do next we can choose how we respond with our attention and ironically what the science is saying the less attention we put in these thoughts the less they show up or i suppose the less dominant they become so in a nutshell that's what we're hoping to get to um, and then shortly i mean i can elaborate on, on, on some of the skills that can maybe help you to get there mm. yeah i think um yeah, I, I mean, the the example you gave is is spot on. For for some reason, you know, it's not unusual to have intrusive, bizarre thoughts that that you don't want. We know that actually everybody gets those, but for some reason, people with OCD, we take those much more serious and are much more likely to go down a rabbit hole with them, and uh, you know, to to wind ourselves up effectively. Uh, you could kind of. Uh, also go, go down a rabbit hole as to why that is. I mean, there's multiple different reasons for why that could be. Um, but yeah, when it when it actually comes to to um, to that situation then of, of rumination, so there's the trigger, there's two people, one person doesn't get triggered because they are already thinking about the next task that they need to do, or they're able to just recognize that the thought is just a bizarre thought but nothing more, um, you know, and they come back to the present The person with the OCD takes it seriously. Um, and they feel if they're not, if they haven't trained themselves, like they don't have a choice in that situation. No. Um, and this is, this is quite key. I find, um, if you believe that you don't have a choice, that you just have to worry about this thing or that you, you know, there's no way out of this kind of trap 
then of course you're you're just going to sit there and you're going to ruminate and ruminate and ruminate and wind yourself up. But if you believe even just a little bit that you're you're making a choice to think about this thing, even though right now you may be you may be making the wrong choice. Uh, you may be making the choice that's going to keep you stuck, but at least if you recognize that you are making that choice, I, I find that's very and very important. What's your what's your opinion on on that? Rob, I think you're, you're absolutely spot on. Um, and I think I, I always begin, and obviously it's my own interpretation of this work, obviously my own lived experience, but also my, my, my studies over the years is that, you know, we have less control of this stuff showing up in the first place. So I have got out of the habit, or sorry, I've got into the habit over the years of almost not fighting with this stuff when it actually shows up. But like you said, sometimes it can almost have this sort of magnetic, all-consuming quality where we feel that we are almost, I know that probably your uh, listeners won't be able to see me, but, uh, you know, like basically it's all-encompassing at times. It's sort of, people can feel very overwhelmed very quickly. And because generally what happens in that situation people are believing whether it's a thought whether it's an image whether it's an urge to do something like absolute biblical truth and if you believe something to be accurate biblical truth of course you're going to ruminate over it of course you're going to give it your time and attention because you feel you have to but part of the i suppose the psychoeducation element around ocd is learning to sort of see a lot of this stuff as almost as jeffrey schwartz would say in his brain lock book as false as like a false alarm you know i often share the example part of my working week is in the hospital and every friday i can guarantee you there is a fire alarm which goes off and it's always a test but every time it goes off my body responds in the same way like what's going on i need to do something about this but when i find out what it actually is my body begins to relax i can then put my attention back on what's important to me in that moment. And why I like that example is it's very accurate in terms of when we learn to see OCD as almost like, oh, that sort of thought that I'm having that I could potentially, you know, harm my loved one if I have that knife beside me or I have that thought that I'm driving my car and there's a car in front of me that I could potentially just drive into the back of another one. You know, if I can see that as like, oh, well, that's, it feels very true. Like I said in the example, you get a sensation, but if you can almost see that actually it's a false alarm, it's I don't need to put any more attention on it. And actually then over time, put your attention on the more wholesome things. And I appreciate that that's easier said than done. And it's really about over time incrementally doing that. So if you're if you're when those thoughts come up and your default is ruminate, it's almost can we ruminate less and mm. put our attention onto other things over time obviously that's yeah. just one way but um i just that's my take on that yeah absolutely yeah it's not about being perfect you don't have to you know just suddenly make a massive change and you know put it in your rear view mirror and you've you know you fixed it unfortunately it's not it's not like that it would be nice if it was um but yeah it's it's more about recognizing okay this is something i struggle with uh, Puro seems to be one of my major um, uh, themes. Well, it's not really a theme, is it? But one of the major things that I do within within OCD. 
um, and rumination is a big part of that. Okay, well, how can I start to reduce that? Um, I think that's a really good way to go about it whilst recognizing, you know, that you have this choice. And okay, so, so people have recognized that they've, they're working on realizing that they have this choice. Um, and now they want some techniques, some concrete techniques. And they've got Paul, uh, Paul McConnell there ready to, uh, to pass on some fantastic advice. <laughs> what would you, uh, what would you tell them? Maybe, you know, just a few examples of some, some helpful techniques to bring them back to the present, perhaps. Absolutely, Rob. Probably a couple that come to mind. Um, obviously, you touched on um, earlier that this whole idea of acceptance and commitment therapy, which isn't isn't completely what I do, but it's but it's a large body um, of the work that I do, and and they're big into metaphor. In other words, you know, sort of describing sort of coping techniques using metaphor, almost using sort of story. Um, and one which I suppose two actually, which which really help myself and my own life but also the clients that I work with one is the um I suppose the the torch of attention is basically what I what I call it so if you can imagine and even if your listeners for a minute can sort of um, think about this for a second obviously you and I probably based in UK and Ireland torch is the language you would use the sort of North American folk would be like a flashlight and um, but generally speaking a torch is used to to illuminate, to highlight the darkness, okay? But what happens in OCD, and Puro especially, it's like, if you can imagine that torch is turned inward, we are highlighting, we are illuminating all those difficult thoughts and feelings. We're making them bigger, more prominent. So in that example, what we really need to try and do is basically use the torch for what it's to be used for, which is to illuminate the external world. So it's about getting our attention off of ourselves and onto the external world. So what I like about that example is about recognizing that because of the nature of the thought, because of how believable it seems, it's like almost automatically that torch goes inward. But there's mm. a lot of research and science around this that the more we give this difficult stuff, time, effort, and attention, the bigger it gets. So yeah. part of it is getting your attention back out there. And very simply, that can be on, you know, like for me, I mentioned in terms of it happening in the workplace, it can be putting it on the task at hand. It could be trying to do something which is maybe enjoyable. It's hard to get pleasure when you're struggling with, with a difficult thought, but it's about trying to short circuit that self-focused attention and try and put that attention onto something external. And um, so that's one example. It's something that clients can play around with, even just mm. the idea of, it, of recognizing almost like this question, like, where is my attention? Yeah. That's a very helpful question. Where is yeah. my attention? And finally, Rob, and just in terms of the, another example, you've heard probably me share this before, and you're probably aware of this as well, but I think it's very useful, is the, the topic of, or the, the metaphor of radio dim and gloom, or radio in the background, whatever way you, you want to word it. And really the whole premise behind that is that if you and a friend or you and your partner, Rob, were sort of out for a meal in one of your local restaurants, I can nearly guarantee you there will be some sort of music playing on the background, whether that's a radio, whether that's a live band in the corner. But generally speaking, you're engaged on the conversation, your nice meal in front of you, your maybe glass of sangria, whatever it is you're having, that you're not really noticing that music in the background. 
you will notice it when it's a good song, when it's a song you like, when maybe it's your favourite Bon Jovi track comes on. But generally, that plays in the background. Yeah. That's very similar to how our own mind works, is that your mind will continue to play. Your listeners don't need um, me to, to tell them that, but the, the, the brain does what it does. It will continue to think. But in that example, we have a choice again where we put our attention. Do we put our attention on those difficult thoughts, on those difficult feelings, on those urges to do some sort of ritual, or do we put our attention onto what's important in the moment? And it will continue to play, but over time, it sort of, you know, it doesn't become the central focus of your life. And of course, when it's a good thought, when it's maybe like, oh, I wouldn't mind meeting that friend tonight, or I haven't rung mum in a while, I'm going to give her a ring. Pay attention to that thought, you know? So we can choose which thoughts to pay attention to, and those which aren't so useful, learning to sort of let them play in the background to, to turn the volume down on. Yeah, I think they're really helpful metaphors, and it's, it's so true. Um, you know, we can spend so much time and energy just focused simply on the wrong things, tuned into radio doom and gloom. Um, and, you know, the way you described it is, is fantastic. You know, it's if we allow it, those thoughts, they do move to the background. Um, you know, they the sound does go down a little bit, enough for us to be able to refocus our attention on more helpful things. And, and I think also something else with that is the more that you apply that over time, the better you get at doing that a hundred percent well that's like with with any skill but i think it's very true with ocd and it's it, it becomes uh second nature when you start to do this stuff and and you start building up more and more confidence because you can find yourself in a scenario um where maybe six months previous you would have just been stuck and now actually you've got something concrete uh, that you can apply that really does help you to come back into the present and to let go of that stuff. And and when you do, you find yourself half an hour later looking back thinking, oh, you know, thank God that I didn't uh, allow myself to go down the rabbit hole there. I actually came back to the present and, you know, I, I, I actually stopped that whole process from from getting worse. And you feel uplifted, you feel buoyant. Um, and I think, you know, this is what it's all about. Rob, you couldn't you couldn't have encapsulated that, summarized that any better because I oh, think thank you very much. You know, <laughs> I, th I think it is about that. It's about short short circuiting that rumination. It's about not going down the rabbit hole. And like you said, it's a practice. There are times you will continue to go down the rabbit hole. There are times it will continue to grab your attention. But it's over time, it's trying to do that less. And the more you do that, you begin to see actually there's a life out there. You know, that there's friends to see, there's maybe that university course I've always wanted to do, or maybe I wanted to go and, you know, do a bit of traveling, whatever whatever it is that maybe has been to a degree taken away from you because of your struggle. The less you struggle, believe it or not, the more you get your life back, the mm. more you move your life in the direction that, that you want to go. Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, unfortunately, we've uh, we've got to bring an end to it there. Um, but if people want to find out more about you, Paul, or to get in touch, what can they do? 
Well, Rob, um, my sort of, obviously my, my full name is Paul McCarroll, which I'm sure your listeners know, but my, the best way of people getting in contact with me is my sort of um, sort of hashtag is Be Free From OCD. Um, I have the website, BeFreeFromOCD.com. If you type in Be Free From OCD on Instagram, Facebook, um, and more recently YouTube, which I've just been trying to do some videos there and, and reach out um, to people. So yeah, be free from OCD um, on all the popular platforms. Fantastic. So if you are looking for an OCD therapist, I highly recommend him. Um, but yeah, uh, Paul, uh, thanks a lot. Um, as always, it's been a pleasure to have you on. You really know your stuff. And so, uh, yeah, I look forward to, to the next one. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, Rob, and I look forward to it. Just a quick reminder that if you want to get a free session, all you need to do to get that is to head over to my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com. And there you can leave me a message and we can arrange the uh, free session. And now just a quick reminder of my disclaimer. Any information that you view on my website, Instagram page, Facebook group, or anywhere else online, or any information that you listen to on the podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for actual medical or mental health advice from a doctor, psychologist or any other medical or mental health professional.